Abby. And I'm Georgie. Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity and its influence on life. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. This This is Creative Creative Clinks. And we're back for another episode. Welcome to episode four, where we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. But I think, Barbie, wasn't wasn't episode three such a blast? We had so much fun talking to Eamon and getting to know the interesting um, intricacies of finding ingredients like uh, your brothel bushes and things like that. So I think that was an absolute blast. Yes, that was actually so interesting talking to him about uh, his company, which is South Fremantle Brewing, and finding out how they make these like incredible flavors. Who knew there was so much to do with beer? Like I'm actually not a beer drinker, so like you were the one chiming in on that on that conversation because I'm like, dude, I do not know anything about beer. <laughs> oh, look, the kudos goes to the craft beer bar that I worked at because it was kind of implied that I had to, you know, dabble in a few tastes, and that's where I found like your sour wee spears and things where I was like. Ugh. Ooh, stop it. This is flavorful. Um, but we also were notorious for having espresso martini on tap. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to do with that right now. What time is it? It's 1.07. <gasps> it's 5 o'clock, five o'clock somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> it's 5 o'clock in Fiji. <gasps> exactly. So I think, um, look, probably should have um, got a clink on beforehand, but that's okay. Oh, my gosh. We should have. <laughs> Oh, definitely. But uh, look, Mama's run out of stock, so I would have had to go to Uncle Dan's to to get some get some supplies. But I think that'll be exactly what I'm doing after this episode, getting all stocked up for the weekend. It's mm-hmm. gone by so quickly. It has. Oh, look, out of beers though, I definitely would prefer a hard lemonade or a gingy. A gingy. We love a gingy. Yes, that's the vibes. That's mm-hmm. the vibes. And I'm. I look. I got a bit offended when he said, "Don't put chili in beer. Oh, chili belongs in everything." Agree. Who are you? Oh, God. <laughs> you never know. They might actually come out with this chili beer now all of a sudden and we can. Courtesy of Creative Clinks. Oh, my gosh. We could do like a collaboration with them. That would oh, be fabulous. I'll oh my Damon and ask him about that one next. <laughs> um, can we actually? Because then excursion to WA. <gasps> yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. But all righty. Well, Barbie, you're the one that kind of came to me and said, Let, let's chat about imposter syndrome because, look, it's definitely been one of those weeks for me. I don't know about you, but you've been my little bit of a cheerleader and um, it's all a bit relevant. So we may as well jump on and get chatting about it. But did you want to introduce that one for us? Sure. Well, it's really quite funny because lately, everyone we've been talking to seems to mention imposter syndrome. And if you listen back to our first three episodes, it's actually in every single episode, which is really interesting. And I guess also just kind of, it's now seems to be something that people are talking about. It was once upon a time almost considered a secret that if you had these feelings where you felt like a fraud or that you weren't good enough, that you just kept them to yourself and you just kind of kept playing a game. But people are starting to talk about it now, which I think is really important. So for those of you who don't really know or haven't heard about the term imposter syndrome, it basically means that you feel like you're a fake, you're a fraud, and any success that you have in any part of your life, whether it's your career, whether it's being a mother, a friend, anything is based on possibly on luck or you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And it actually doesn't have to do with your abilities. So, 
all of us, I think, have probably experienced something like that in our lifetime. And I think it's time that we need to talk about it a little bit out loud. And especially being in a creative industry, this is something that I do feel creatives come across and feel quite often. And again, it's because, which we've spoken about before, it's very subjective, um, Mm. the work that we do. So yeah, let's just kind of talk, I guess, just have a really kind of casual chat about how it's affected us and how maybe we have got through it. Um, Mm. I know I'll just kind of start, Georgie, because like you said, I knew I know that you've had a, a bit of a tough week and we all have weeks like that. And so maybe I'm feeling a little bit more like I'm your mentor this week <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to get you out of this funk. So I, with my, you know, what I've got, oh, what, 21 years on you, my love? Um, I've probably experienced a lot more of this imposter syndrome than you have to date. So I can talk to you about it from my own personal experience, probably a lot to do with career. For me, this is probably something that's crept into my my life consistently. And especially now being someone who is concentrating on my own business, even more so now, I can tell you 100% that every time I go for a project or I'm pitching myself or I submit something that has to do with my business to a potential client, I'm like holding my breath. I almost feel like, yeah, like I'm a fraud that surely they're not going to like this, even though I, you know, I've I will never submit anything that I don't think is worthy. But still, every time you hit that send button or you're sitting in front of a client, whatever it might be, I still every single time feel like I'm a fraud or they're going to realize that this little burst of confidence that I've got while I'm sitting in front of them is actually just all fake, you know, that I'm an actor, that it's not really who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, only just recently... I was sitting in front of someone who I I guess in a way I was pitching to. And even though I felt really like I felt really confident, like genuinely confident in it, I was almost waiting for her to kind of question me to the point of where I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer that question. And if I don't have an answer for her straight away, she's going to know, hey, this is a new business. You actually don't have that much experience. Should I trust you? And yeah, like I think I mentioned in the first episode, it is a really debilitating having these feelings and emotions Mm. based around feeling maybe not good enough or that you're going to be found out that maybe your experience isn't as much as you would like it to be. And yeah, I hate the feeling, but I still get it. And, you know, I'm considered middle-aged now. So I still- Oh God, really? I read that the other day and I thought, oh my God, I'm considered middle-aged. So yeah, it's, it's more common than anyone- really talks about. And I think we really need to be discussing it and why it's something that if we don't work on, then we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to grow. We're not going to, our career's not going to flourish. All those things that we're so worried about now, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice Mm. by having these feelings that are not, and we'll talk about, are not facts. Mm. And I definitely feel that throughout different experiences, so like, you know, one, one thing can knock you for six. And I did do some, like, I was working within a studio, really fast paced and just nothing that I'd actually ever experienced. And then it got to a point, like I was there for a few days and then like I asked a question based on, you know, 
something to do with Illustrator and being able to, and I don't want to expose myself for how much of a stupid question it was, but how to do something. And and I was asking her and she just even looked at me. She said, I don't even know what you're asking me for me to answer to you. And it just made me think like far out, I'm absolutely hopeless. Like what, what am I doing? Why have I even chosen this degree? Clearly there's more people with more passion than me that know how to do this in their sleep. I don't. I'm just meandering around and get, getting through as much as I can. And, you know, and then by chance, these people unfortunately got stuck with me and it really frustrated me and I could see the the feeling of a gap in my skill. And I guess there's one time that she did say, oh, look, like, you know, if you've always done something a certain way and don't come across somebody else doing it differently, you'll you won't really know it or like, you know, you do it and you go, oh God, I would never do that or go, oh wow, that's actually a much better way to do something. And it just, it just frustrated me because it felt like then, okay, I've disappointed these people that were searching for someone to give them a hand and, and it was quite frustrating. And then kind of, I guess, trailing on to, which I did end up getting feedback and they did apparently love me, supposedly, um, which that made me feel a bit better about it all. But I I definitely have that sense of, I've got a, I've got a skill gap, definitely have those automatic negative thinking and thoughts that come into mind and even just like one person knocking you for six with a really crappy comment and then they've got a prerogative to prove you wrong when really at the end of the day they're the ones that have not been you know, the, the holy ones out of this experience they've also been just as much of an ass than me and it can really make you doubt yourself and I had a phone call come through of a client the other day and I just kind of thought in the pit of my stomach this is going to be bad this is going to be so bad and I answered it and even he was like what's wrong with you you don't sound like your normal self and I'm like yeah he's like oh come on George like it's all right you know you're doing really well really like the stuff you're doing I went are you sure so I definitely like I was reading through some content that just kind of dissects imposters syndrome and I've just felt like yep tick that box tick that box that's me that's me that's me and it's it's frustrating because it's I don't want my head to work like this and I was even like bunging on to my mother the other day saying I need to go to a hypnotist I need them to change my head and it, it's just very frustrating to feel in a funk and really wanting to and kind of I guess scared of the future and and the decisions I've made it's like oh what if I should have just done something simpler or something that's just more one plus one equals two in your food muck that up then that's clearly wrong and there's a clear right and in the design world I think it's very hard to to have definitive right or wrong and I guess that could be where that feeling of fakery or the feeling of hopelessness in yourself and the abilities that you have can really come out just because someone might do something differently but you end up with the same outcome. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I actually, something that I've noticed is, it's what you just touched on, that if someone says something to you, and it can be quite a simple comment that you, you know, if, if set off cuff that maybe in a different mood, it probably wouldn't have bothered you. But because you might have already been in that headspace, it obviously encouraged that spiral for you to go further down and question yourself as to why were you doing this, etc. I, It's really interesting. I know part of the whole imposter syndrome, feeling like you've got to always be at a certain level. And we've spoken about this before where we, we both are quite high achievers, right? And so, when you have that in the back of your head, when you know that naturally you are like that anyway, you have to constantly be like that. Okay. So arrest you, you really know when you're not, and you feel like you're letting yourself down. And years and years ago, one of my friends, um, her father said to me, now just to put it into context, her father is a rocket scientist 
And I'm not just saying, you know, when everyone goes, I'm not a rocket scientist. No, you're not. But this guy literally is a rocket scientist. If he had a card, if he had a business card, it would say rocket scientist. You don't come, <laughs> a, you don't come across them very often, right? No, not at all. So he had known me for years and years and years. And he said to me, you're one of the most overachievers I've ever met, right? So here's this rocket scientist telling me that I'm an overachiever. And this is probably, gosh, I reckon it was probably 15 years ago. So still I was, I guess, you know, quite like older anyway, but when he said that to me, but that has still stuck with me. Hmm. So that just reinforced what I already knew in the back of my head that, yeah, I was naturally an achiever anyway, but then him telling me that as honestly I still think about it today, thinking I have this reputation to uphold. I have a standard that I need to always be at. And that's just put more and more pressure on myself. Mm. And they do talk about that, like as children, we, you know, little things happen where, I mean, if you go see a counselor or a psychologist, they always talk about, well, let's go back to your childhood. And you think, oh God, here we go. But it's true. These things are ingrained in us from such a young age. Mm. I know even with like imposter syndrome, they talk about the same thing where you might have been told something as a child and that for some reason sticks with you for the rest of your life. And, Mm. you know, actually part of it, especially at the moment with, you know, I didn't grow up with social media, but for a lot of people that did, that's all you have in front of you nowadays is literally the perfection of a grid on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. The perfection of, you know, the edited photos, the constant trying to be perfect in a digital world nowadays. Mm. And all that stuff is contributing to us having these imposter feelings. Well, then you get the backwards thing. So, okay, you want the perfect photo. You can't be flabby. You can't have the wrong lighting. You can't have good old sepia applied. But yet, if there's one slide of someone actually went to the genuine level of of editing their body in Photoshop, oh, zoom in. Mm -hmm. We can see you've distorted this. We can see that this isn't real. How dare you do that? That's disgusting. Mm. Why can't you be happy with yourself? Yeah, you can't win either way. You can't you can't win either way. And gosh, I would actually hate to be in a situation like that where I was scrutinized mm. consistently because I honestly feel like I wouldn't have the the mental capacity to deal with something like that. And celebrities and even, you know, influencers on social media and that kind of thing, that's actually what they have subjected themselves to nowadays. Mm. And all they're constantly doing is comparing themselves also to other people as well as them, you know, the everyday person who's just looking at their content is doing the same thing as well. I know for myself that, you know, I follow as an interior designer, I follow I can't even tell you how many interior design, you know, accounts that I follow on social media and that kind of thing. And I look at the feed of someone that maybe, or maybe it's a a business that I absolutely adore. And I think, oh, one day I would love to work for them. But I think, how can I ever get to that level? But you know what? They had to start somewhere as well. Mm. And it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter your experience. They didn't just one day wake up and all of a sudden they're designing for Hilton. You know, they started at somewhere and probably had exactly the same feelings that we're currently experiencing too. Mm. I, I just feel that it's in this day and age, it is something that's now quite 
normal, but if we don't discuss it and look at ways that we can help our mental health, it's part of mental health, Mm. then we're never going to get past that and find ways to cope with it. Mm. Because literally we live in this world now where we are constantly compared to others, whether it's externally or whether we are doing that ourselves. Mm. 100%. Or even like in regards to how you're saying like stemming from childhood, when I did a vet course, it was in fundamentals of design and fashion. And at the end, they like did like an awards thing. And I literally got an award that was perfectionist of the year. Oh, wow. And and it's like kind of that reinstilling or kind of reestablishing a connection that that's what you are. And I guess like I take for a long time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. Everything has to be perfect. But it's also the most debilitating characteristic of myself because I hesitate in doing things because it's not going to be perfect. They're going to think I'm crap or, you know, the expectations of myself are going to be here, but then they they below benchmark when it's upon delivery. And that can be within anything. Like I would get really, really nervous us over cross country right? Because I would get up in the mornings and I'd run. And then one of the girls beat me and this other girl, which by the way, was supposed to be a friend. Don't worry. She got the flick. And she says, oh, I thought you would have beaten Laura. Mm. You run in the mornings. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. The pressure of the fact that I had to, I had to win. I didn't want to win. Yeah. I just like running. I might be slow. Mm. Doesn't mean like, just because I get up in the morning means I'm a winner. Mm. Just means that I have some kind of motivation to get myself out of bed at bloody six o'clock the morning and start moving my body. Oh, I never let go of that, as you can bloody tell. Um, <laughs> that, that, that it honestly, it pissed me off so much. It upset me because I'm like, oh, well, the expectation was of me to win. Next year, I have to win. And then it got to a point where I got so worked up over the scenario or the thought of having to compete that I would just pull out and be like, oh, no, I'm not mm. feeling well. Yeah. For the, for, to avoid the risk to avoid it. of someone going, oh, well, you should have won. You didn't win. Mm. What? Mm. what? And that, that was really frustrating. Frustrating and, a, and a, it's annoying how people just don't button their damn lip. Like yeah. sometimes just shut up. Just don't say anything. Like think it. Don't say it because it can really affect someone. And just the, the stupidity of those bitchy girls and those kind of girls were the ones that would scrutinize pictures and it was always of the more popular. And, of course, the girl they're scrutinizing is hot. She's better looking than a lot of us and she's fit looking and whatnot and they'll scrutinize her photos, which maybe she's got body dysmorphia and she thinks she has to be better. Yeah. So she does do a bit of photo touching or things like that Mm -hmm. and then you're scrutinizing it making it worse and it's just this compounding scenario of of body image or the expectation to be perfect or hot or skinny and and tanned and things like that it's really sucks and it's it's, I think it's all within pigeonholing as well is that I've kind of like yeah there's a fine line but look I wouldn't even be able to advise you on what the fine line is, but the line of, you know, encouragement and then pigeonholing. So that pigeonhole can go, okay, well, I need to live up to this standard. I need to do this. I need to do that in order to achieve what you're telling me I'm going to achieve. And then the encouragement side, like I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the right way is to it, but I can know that I can see where there's points of, oh, okay, that actually was a really negative impact on me Mm. and those comments where I felt like I had to achieve this goal. And then now looking at I'm like, well, I'm nowhere near it and I guess glad for it because I probably wouldn't have been happy or if I end up getting back there, great. But I definitely find it's intimidating Mm -hmm. and even just trying new things. Like why can't I have the freedom to do what I like or, you know, and if I fail, I fail. But instead I have this concept in my head that that is such a bad outcome. Do not fail. You can't be a failure. You have to be successful in what you touch. So don't even try it. Yeah, so then I just avoid it and don't even try it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, 
can't fail if I didn't start it. It's interesting you speak about, you know, like the competitions and awards and that kind of thing because, as you know, I was recently nominated for the Design Institute Graduate of the Year Awards. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. Yeah. But (laughs) it's twofold, right? Like I'm so honoured and humbled to have that because I feel like it's a little bit of validation for myself, which sounds a little bit selfish. It's a little bit of validation. But then at the same time, it also comes with that pressure to now like I've put myself out there and now I'm in direct literally in direct competition with other people and that's just not me I'm actually not a competitor which is quite interesting I I feel like I've come to a point in my life where yes I definitely have this imposter syndrome or imposter feelings when I call it because imposter syndrome is definitely that's like really really constantly a debilitating kind of um, thing that you go through all the time but I definitely have those imposter feelings but now but I'd kind of learnt to to almost like run my own race, if that makes sense. And like my own competition is myself. And so I'd set my own goals based on what I want to achieve, knowing that I'm growing rather than, you know, comparing myself to someone else. But this mm. new award thing that has come up, it's like I am, I, ha- I am literally putting myself out there to be directly compared to other people in this huge award, which is massive for someone to at least be nominated for. So that's, it's almost like I have Funnily enough, I feel like I've taken a step back and now I've got this huge anxiety over it. Mm. Very similar to what you were saying in that I would never have put myself in the award Mm. unless someone told me that I was nominated in it, you know, because I actually Mm. do not want to go through that whole, those feelings of, well, if I put myself out there, then it means that I will fail. Whereas if I don't Mm. do it, I haven't failed because I haven't bothered to do it. Mm. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like, I guess, a little bit of a protection, like a safety mechanism for myself to not do things like that before as well. Mm. This time it was taken out of my hands. I don't know. I look at it as maybe that's a good thing because it is getting me out of my comfort zone. Mm. And it's very easy just to stay within your own little bubble and go, oh, I don't need to be compare myself to other people. But also, unfortunately, this is the reality of the world we live in. It is cutthroat, right? Mm. So we all need to find different ways to deal with it. Whether that is that, you know, you take breaks from social media because you're finding yourself just constantly on there scrolling and and comparing yourself to others, uh, whether it's, you know, taking you time out from your business, if that's what's actually causing you, I guess, pain at the moment, take your time away from that. Because as we spoke about last week, you are not anyone's, you know, best friend when you are working in a bad mentality, mm. right? When you're sitting here saying, I can't do this, you know, this work that I'm doing is terrible, no one's going to like it. You can't sit there and do your best work in that headspace. It's it's literally impossible. Mm. You would have been better and I think better off going and getting yourself a beer or a glass of wine, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Everyone what the message was. Get up. the sippy cup out. Yeah. I think it's also recognizing that when you do need to take that time out and the first thing is is acknowledging that, hey, I'm having these feelings. They're not healthy. They're not good for me. They're not going to be good for my client or whatever, you know, whatever you're relating to at the moment and removing yourself from the situation like you would do with anything else, you know? Mm, Yeah, for sure. Funny, I was actually listening to a different podcast this morning Mm -hmm. and they said that it's, they're officially banned from talking about 
the Kardashians on their podcast because all it does is consume them. And one of them, they were pretty much arguing over the, they said, oh, you know, the what she said, you know, you've got to get off your ass and just work. Debate on that being a positive or a negative comment. Um, and I, I actually, look, I don't know enough context behind them, but as far as I've been told is that they did not work much for, for what wealth they have. And look, once you've got a buttload of money, anything's easy in life, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, your willpower and can do can get you to an extent, but far out money gets you there faster. And so I guess that's my understanding. Don't sue me <laughs> for being wrong. I don't fully know, nor do I fully care to look into that background of them. But the debate more or less on, on that being true or not, and one of them had a really reasonable argument, which is exactly what we're trying to say is that, well, if you're working in a shitty environment or you're working somewhere that is just burning you out, making you unhappy, well, you can't just get up and work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you need something that's as motivating. Like if you don't have a butt ton of money to get you motivated, then you've got to be motivated some other way, whether or not it gives you pleasure or purpose that you're completing something that you really enjoy doing or gives you that satisfaction that you've completed something rather than, oh, great, Mm. I have to go here because I have to be paid Mm. so I can pay the rest of my crap off. Like It's definitely all about what what is it doing to you? And of course, it's going to impact you if you can get up and you know just work. And to an extent, like with design, it does sometimes get me up in the morning and go, yep, I'm really excited to get this done. And look, other times I'm just really paranoid and going, well, if I do this and send this off, they're going to be pissy about it. They're not going to like it. I'm going to get criticism. And I like to say that I can take criticism, but it's definitely built on the delivery. If you deliver it really poorly and quite, I guess, nastily, then of course I'm not going to take it very well. Hmm. Or it's going to infect me to the point where, oh, I just can't even have the energy to to design or do anything about it or do something further. And definitely need to be able to ground yourself with good people like yourself, Barbie. Thank you. To, To bring me back to going, okay, you're being a dickhead. Stop it. And, you know, it's you're just lying to yourself. And it was funny. I it was telling, venting to another friend, um, a puppet friend, which hopefully we're going to have on very soon. She had said to me, oh, a bit of imposter syndrome there. And I went, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting that, like, I had, like, she just – didn't, I didn't even get into much, just kind of gave the cliff notes of the event and she's and she just outwardly said that and I found that quite interesting because I haven't really had too many people, I guess, use the terminology of imposter syndrome or, you know, or, or that concept to it. So at least common and, and that if people, more people know about it, the kind of better you can feel about it going, okay, this is just an interim. This isn't me. This isn't permanent because this feeling does suck. It does. But you know what is an interesting point though? Okay, you only have these feelings, these imposter feelings, when it's something you care about, mm, yeah. what you've invested so much into. Mm. I know myself, I don't have imposter feelings when I'm cooking because <laughs> I can't stand cooking and I'm not going to compare myself to anyone and I actually don't really care what it tastes like as long as it's, you know, like I can put it down my mouth kind of situation. You know, like it's not so like I don't have that feeling with that. I don't have that mm. feeling with, you know, getting in a pool and doing laps because I really don't care about it. Mm. The only things that I have these feelings with are stuff that I associate with having intense meaning to me and that's Mm. either my career or my family like can I say if we talk about family gosh this is again a whole other episode but it's not related this is a can oh yeah it's not related to design but gosh when I became a mother literally you know 
Georgie, you know the story. For those who don't know me and are listening, I, my husband and I adopted a child two years ago. I all of a sudden became, I had those feelings of imposter syndrome for being a mother. Like, hang on, I didn't birth this child. This child's just come into my life, you know. Mm. I, I mean, do I deserve this? Do I, you know, am I, should I be considered a mother? There are so many things that, especially with now becoming a mother, mm. that I had exactly those same feelings about that we're talking about from a career perspective. It's exactly the same. It's because they have meaning associated with them. Mm. Yeah. If there was zero meaning, then you wouldn't have any of these emotions connected Mm. to these feelings. So yeah. And I wish, I at least wish with my problems is that I, because I care about everything way too much. Like for instance, I'm still hung up on about it. Yesterday, two people honked me when I was driving two people and I'm still pissed off about it. Like (laughs) one, I was on my, cause I just, I just bought a motorbike, got my lioness and, you know, just tooting around. And I was at the traffic lights and like, I took a little bit more precaution because look, I don't want to get flattened on the road and scraped up with a spatula afterwards. So, you know, I'm taking extra precaution when I have the green light because someone will probably run the red and squish me. So, you know, I took a bit of extra precaution. I made sure pedestrians, because it's a motorcycle, they're like, uh-huh. I could just walk out in front of you, which <laughs> someone has actually done that to me. And I thought, why is it when I'm coming at you, which I come at you very, very quickly compared to a vehicle, you think that, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to cross the road right now. And so I was being extra precautious and the man behind me tooted me and I just thought the height of you and then it scared me. So then I tried to take off a bit quicker and then I nearly stalled it. it and then I got all embarrassed because like, yeah, I've been motor- riding a motorcycle yeah. for what, the most of 20 hours? Yeah. But I still expect that I should be able to ride this with ne- without stalling it, without having any issues. And then another instance, I was exiting a car park and I was waiting for little old Gladys to finish crossing the road and someone tooted me again and I thought, you prick, someone is... <laughs> trying to cross the road i'm not going to just go and go around them and wait for you to hit them like oh yep see there's there's another point that just brings up see these feelings come up when we're in transitions right like mm. you're a learner a learner motorcycle um is it rider it's rider not driver rider, rider. Mm. a motorcycle rider so you're you have already got these feelings in the back of your head like oh i don't really know what i'm doing and that kind of thing you know i transitioning into a new career you're going to have those same feelings transitioning into motherhood transitioning into anything that is new you mm. is at least going to spark this. Mm. So not saying that you're still not going to have these feelings, you know, God knows, 10, 20 years down the track, but it's they're probably, it's always going to be associated with doing something new, either A, being afraid to maybe try something a little bit different or you're being out of your comfort zone, right? Mm. Like I've seen so many instances about uh, like celebrities who you think would be absolutely like have that confidence to that they'd never experience any kind of issues like this. And I know Emma Watson was one, you know, Emma Watson, who's um, mm. Hermione. 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 Uh, she's had these feelings and she spoke about it all the time that she was just waiting, literally waiting for someone to tap her on the shoulder and say, Hey, um, you're actually not as good as what everyone's making it, making you out to be. Meryl Streep's another one who's actually spoken about this too. Like, it's so common that people have these feelings of being a fraud and a fake, and they're literally waiting for their 
you know, tap on the shoulder, time's up, buddy, time to move mm. on. We found you, we've got, we've caught you. And mm. I think that's what we're all experiencing. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's hard to believe those kind of people believe that about themselves as well. And it's like, oh, I just put you in a pigeonhole of your life is perfect and everything's great. And, mm. you know, you mustn't feel any of these normal feelings, which is, which is pretty, pretty crazy. I think that it is, it is such a normal feeling. And it's just so frustrating because I also feel like, which look, this is a feeling not fact. That's so don't right. take me That's over exactly the coals it. about it. But I think like I try to believe that I'm a pretty logical thinker. Like I can look down and go, yep, this is fact, this is fiction or whatnot. And yet my head has another game to play. Mm. It's it's filling me with anxiousness. It's filling me with stress. It's making up scenarios that could happen, anticipating negativity. And it's it's just like, what, what, what? Yeah. why do that to me? For instance, like to the extent where my subconscious, like if I'm in a a mode of stress, I'll lose my voice. Wow. And there's been points where like I've lost my voice for extensive periods of time, like up to six to eight weeks. And it wasn't until I literally read on Google, stress can induce voice loss. And then the next day my voice came back nearly fully. And, or even like before that, leading up to finding that out, I would go to work, have absolutely nothing, no squeaker, nothing to to utilize when I'm at work. So then I'd come home and I'd have like a raspy smokers, 30 pack a day voice. Mm-hmm. And and it's pretty crazy that like your subconscious it is plays such a large role into your feelings, your emotions and how you're responding to scenarios or even scenarios you're anticipating that may not even happen, that it's really dictating your your body and the reaction there with your fight or flight and whatnot. Okay. So what can we do to, I guess, help us through? this right so I guess Mm. like for me I would think of maybe three things which the first thing would be talking to people about it when Mm. you do have these feelings which is exactly kind of what you you did with me and you did with other people as well and I guess that's a little form of validation in in saying that yeah I understand you can feel like this also that friend saying but hey this is actually isn't a hundred percent true and look at the other things that you can do and you are actually amazing these feelings you have at the moment are only temporary so yes definitely talk about it is is probably the first thing I would say. I think the second thing that I'd like to tack in on that list would be identifying. So like, you know, in that perspective of I was able to identify this is actually the direct cause of this outcome, it nearly resolved itself. And then it's about being wary and identifying the next point of stress where you can get yourself into a spiral and being identified, look, you're not going to always be perfect. Like we're talking about in finding our purpose in episode two, Mm -hmm. is that being able to go, okay, I can pinpoint this, I'll acknowledge it, and you'll eventually, well, hopefully, get better at at coping and dealing with it moving forward. So then it's to the point, it's like a speck of dirt and you can just go flick all done. Yep. No problem. Yep. A hundred percent. And that's, I actually think that leads into owning that you perfection is almost impossible to achieve. And everyone's level of perf- of what they consider perfection is different to yours. And that also goes with mistakes or acknowledging that you don't know everything. So if you're sitting in front of a client and they ask you a question that maybe you don't know, it's okay to say, I actually don't know that, or I haven't experienced that, or let me do some research for you. Not only will that bring back a little bit of confidence for you, it's also showing that you're proactive. Mm. I think that that's really important in knowing that you don't always have to pretend to be someone that you're not, okay? Mm. So when we talk about fake, we're not talking obviously or, or fraud, you know, we're not talking about someone who literally says that. We're not Anna Delvine here. Yeah, Wait, exactly. that the one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sir, yeah. We're not someone that's literally, you know, committing fraud. We're 
we're not, you know, unless you are, then that's a different subject. But we're literally just people that are trying to move forward in their careers or move forward in some aspect of their life that they're experiencing these feelings. Mm. So it's okay not to know everything and it's okay to admit that. And you probably get more credibility with the, with the client, with a friend, with whoever it is that you're dealing with. Mm. When you just say, I do not know. Mm. Um, I haven't, I haven't come across that before. Mm. That takes the pressure off yourself hugely than sitting there trying to come up with an answer that really, you know, nothing about, and that's completely okay. Mm. And I think definitely to add into our little list of hot tips for young players would be is that surrounding yourself with people who, who can at least be providing that environment. So for instance, that the, how I was telling you, I did work for people for a studio and they before I even started, they they said, ask questions. Do not sit there and just do what you think, like ask the questions. And I asked so many questions. It made me feel like an ass. It made me feel so hopeless and felt like this imposter sense. But then afterwards, the feedback was they appreciated that I asked heaps of questions. They liked my energy, which I'm surprised because I was nervous AF. And so like I was not my normal self. <laughs> and so, but like they really loved it. They wished that I could have I could have been back in the next week. They just didn't have a computer for me. So that was really boosting there. It's like, okay, they did set the scene that I can ask questions and it will be okay. Whereas you can get definitely a sense from some people that, oh God, it's the end of the world. If you ask a question, you don't know something. How Mm -hmm. dare you? What are Mm. you doing here? And I think that's definitely being able to identify those people. Give them the flick. They do not deserve. They get a boot, not a toot. So, (laughs) And they're the people that have forgot like like I was saying earlier, that didn't start at level 100. They started at level five, like we're at, or wherever you think you're at in your career or whatever it might be. They forget what it's like to actually Mm. start from scratch and transition into a new career. Mm. It's They're the people that you don't want to aspire to be like. Mm. I, I mean, just as a as an example, I know we've both spoken about it. lately for some reason, we're both getting emails about people asking to do work experience with us. Oh, and God, that was so right? weird. <laughs> it's so weird. We're both getting at them at the same time. And I remember what it was like when I was trying to find my internship and you do too, right, mm-hmm. Georgie? And oh my gosh, like I get, I'm getting sweats just thinking about it. It is such hard work trying to put yourself out there to try and get an internship with anyone. Mm. And that I always said to myself, if ever the tables are turned and someone wants to do an internship with me, I will, or if I can accommodate them, I will always do that because I know mm. how hard that is. I know how gut-wrenching it is to A, no one ever even responds to your email and you've put in so much effort to send them through your portfolio and this lovely message about why you love their business. Either they never, ever respond, right? Mm -hmm. Or when you actually go and if if you actually do get the opportunity, you go there and they don't have the time of day for you. Mm -hmm. So I've always said to myself for something like that, which is huge. And look, you feel like an imposter 100% when you're on an internship, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can't even call yourself an interior designer or a graphic designing you're still a student Mm -hmm. so you have those feelings like literally from the moment you walk in to the till you finish your internship of feeling not good enough because you're looking at these people that are doing what you are trying to do and you're just sitting there and watching them Mm. like if that's not the most confronting experience that you can ever have Mm. like starting a new career I don't know what is like realistically Mm. it is so I will always respond to someone that wants to go do it you know do an internship or I will always take someone on who wants to even just sit here in my office with me and look at colors I don't care because it is so important that people 
at least have got the opportunity to feel like they belong, Mm. even if they don't know everything. Yeah. And that's 100% right. And I've only ever gotten two emails come through on my website. One was for, wait for it. Hi there, this is John. We're going to help you with your graphic design needs for your website. I'm like, oh, you prick. You clearly didn't read what kind of website this is about. Hmm, thanks, bro. Then the next one was a girl asking for an internship. And I was like, oh, my God, what? That's crazy. And then I had to break a heart and was like, oh, I don't have a studio. I'm a one-man band at home. But, you know, more than welcome to hang out with me for a day. We can go to a location, catch up. We can have a cover if you yeah. want to chat. But it just yeah. it definitely boosted my confidence. It was either A, well, actually, the confidence is in. My Google SEO is it's clearly on point. going well. <laughs> clearly going well that she found me in the first place. And B, it definitely makes it interesting because then it's like, okay, I was in that position one day and what did I do? Did I take the time to look at the website, to look at the portfolio, to find out information about the person I'm about to ask for free, like to be around and absorb information from. And there were some places that I just pumped and dumped, like I was just going for it because I was desperate. Then it got to a point where, okay, that's clearly not working. So then I found I had to take the seconds, the few minutes just to be able to understand these people. Who are they? Okay, it's a party of two, not, you know, it's a full studio, you know, and in, in, of course it depends how much information they give out but it's taking the the time to actually read it because then you don't make an ass of yourself if they say yes and you go in and you were expecting something completely different and you actually were wrong i remember like that one of the key things about the place i interned at they were sisters and they'd been in marketing and agencies and magazines and things like that and um and i've just felt weird because i know that i read that they're sisters. They have different surnames because they're married. And then I sat there and I was like, so how did you two meet? They're like, <laughs> we're sisters. And I was like, oh, I knew this, but I panicked. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then after that, like that internship, like they're like my mamas in design. Like they, they're they so nurturing and, you know, and sometimes I'm like even like, oh, maybe they're just being nice to me, but they've just been really wonderful. And, and even now my as serving as mentors for me with my own business and, and being able to kind of listen to them, hearing what they're getting up to, or I can check in on projects I had something to do with and which is all just very exciting. And then having that relationship extend onwards is it's really really satisfying um and i guess like you know sometimes you need the pep talk that they can give you because you know they've been in the industry for xyz they're doing they're the future you fundamentally mm-hmm. and it, it's quite it can be reassuring or you know at least boost the confidence a little tiny bit yeah. when you can hear them kind of pep you up a little bit you know we all need it not everyone needs to be, you know, oh, God, you need attention. How dare you? But mm. it's just, you know, just some recognition sometimes or just reassurance yeah. at the core is, is quite important for people and not to the extent where, you know, you're being boosted up to a point where you feel that sense of imposter syndrome. Oh, they're just trying to be nice to me. They're just trying to say that to me. But ju- just enough. Yeah. Just enough. But that's an interesting point, actually, because by you saying, oh, I took the time out to do some research, isn't that kind of giving you a little bit of confidence going in there with, if you're someone who's, oh, wow, like an internship is is quite a um, confronting experience. It's quite daunting. Mm-hmm. Well, what can you do to make yourself feel a little bit better about it, right? Well, you probably can't do too much apart from research the people that you're going to be working for or whatever it might be. Just do, do whatever's going to make you feel more comfortable. If you feel like you're lacking knowledge, well, okay, well, what kind of, what kind of research can you do to make you feel better when you walk in that door 
and and you feel like you actually know a little bit about them a little bit more. Or, or I mean, this is not just about an internship, but you can apply this to working with a client or anything in your life. If it makes you nervous and you know that you're going to be having those feelings, what are the little things that you can do to alleviate that even just a little bit? And, you know, obviously in our jobs, it's it's research, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Knowledge is power. Definitely. Mm. And something I definitely um, have learnt is the, the whole copy-paste thing. Yeah, it's easier. It makes life a lot easier. But the, the thing that I think I got um, stung with was the fear of everyone knowing everyone in the industry and going, hey, did you get this message? What did it say? Did it say this? Oh, it did say that. Nah, we're not going to put time into that. And no. I think that that's definitely a big thing because that's where you can also make mistakes is that if you make a generalized blurb about something, it just, it it shows, it can really show. And, you know, you can keep it as generalized, but just find some hot points in that paragraph to just swap it out to make it feel more personable or like it's more dedicated to what you're trying to achieve, um, whether or not that's in a cover letter through to even just begging for an internship. And I think there was a couple of times where I realized going, oh my God, what if they know each other? <gasps> what if they're like brother and sister and they have different companies they talk about? Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe that is the thing or maybe they're just best mates and then, you know, maybe they have a laugh about it. Who knows? But um, I think definitely making it look like you've actually taken the time. People care about that. Like I I'd care a lot more if you've tried to contact me for a internship and you go, I really love this particular project. I'd love to get to know you on this this, this and this also any up and coming projects that you're working mm. on like just making it a bit more tailor-made it can make people f- just feel a bit better about themselves and also make you stand out that you've actually bothered to put the time in yeah and then and then I think that would end up coming in return like I find it quite funny when I see um I get notifications from LinkedIn you've had 15 people look at your profile see who's looked at it now mm. and I kind of find it funny how it's like oh okay this person genuinely took the time out to look at what I do whereas I've had other people who they're like oh, you're amazing. I want to work with you. And I'm like, oh, so did you have a look at my my folio? Oh, no, I haven't had the chance. Mm. I'm like, so how do you know if I'm amazing? Yeah. it's It definitely can make a big difference of, okay, you actually know what my capabilities are. You're not just assuming and making an ass out of you and me. So I think I think that's definitely a, a, a very important thing is that your knowledge is power. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to know everything, but if you're going in to do something particular, know a little bit of something. Yes. Or like, you know, reread the job description that's been posted that you're applying for. So then you can go, okay, I'm strong in this, this, and this, but mm. I might need to work on that. And then they go, mm. ah, you actually read what the what was needed for this yeah, role. Definitely. No, no, no. Definitely. Exactly. So it's all about education. Definitely. Mm. Something too that I think is really worth chatting about is instead of writing down the areas that you see that you're lacking in, write down the areas that you know that you you have skills in. Mm. So it's quite easy to say, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Um, you know, like I'm, oh gosh, last week when I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing a project at the moment and I just can't find information about building code and things like that, that I really need to know to move forward with this project. So it just kept going in my head, like, you should know this. You should know this. Not only, you know, it's a building code, like a thousand pages long, but no, I mm. shouldn't necessarily know it, you know? So it's, it's more like, okay, well, maybe my skill set and design is more based on concept. It's not necessarily based on, you know, building code. Yeah, structural integrity. Exactly, you know. So it's it's actually like when those kind of feelings started to creep in with me, like, oh, you should know this. It's like, 
actually just give yourself a break, you know, write down the things that you are great at instead of the things that you're just focusing on negatively, because that's what we Mm. naturally do. We look at where we're lacking rather than where we actually, you know, have the skills to contribute to what we're doing. Mm. Mm. Definitely need to do is what you say. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm the best at finding what I can't do. I know. And it is. And it is really hard when you're in that mindset. But that's just, I guess, something to consider because. 100%. Oh, it's, it's, life is hard as it is, right? Mm. So if we're just constantly looking at where we're lacking, girl, we're going to have like a, you know, a list from one end of the room to the other because you can constantly. I'm I'm the queen of hosting pity parties. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when they, they make you write down whether you're going for a new job, what are your, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? It's super easy to know what your weaknesses are, right? Oh yeah. And then you're just going to focus on those. But if we Mm. more concentrate on our positives or our strengths that we might go, you know what, I'm going to even just write down two strengths and I'm not even going to bother with with my weaknesses until I'm mentally prepared for that. It's not saying Mm. that you can't acknowledge them or that you need to obviously have further education to improve on those, but Mm. without even acknowledging your strengths, Literally, you're just focusing on everything you can't do rather than the things that you can do. Mm. Or or even like I hate I hate that question getting asked in the interview of, oh, what's your weaknesses? And I just kind of freeze because it's like, I don't want to know them. Even though I know them, I don't want to know them. And, and it, because I'm such a perfectionist, I don't want to admit mm-hmm. what I'm bad at to people that I'm trying to sell myself to. So my awesome my go-to is I, I care too much. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I care too much, but I actually think that is a problem. <laughs> I listened to something the other day where it was like, that's such a bullshit answer. I'm like, oh, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> I care too much. Well, that's it. Like if, like if a customer comes up to me and reams me over something that, you know, it's out of my control or I wish I could do something more or it was somebody else's fault, I care for the fact that that what that person just did to me, how they spoke to me, how they treated me, it affects my whole day. Yeah. I can't just let it go. I can't pigeonhole. And my mum, she gave me a good pep talk in yesterday. She was like, you can do it. You can do it, Georgie. Shut up. Shut up. You can do it. And I'm like, okay, mum. Yeah. But no, 100%. Is, it's the fact that I, I care too much and I, and I hold on to things and and then keep mulling. That's definitely a weakness. Oh, and a girl, I cannot handle conflict. Yeah, that's a hard one. Not a lot of people can. No, mm, it's not fun. No. I don't like I just want to be in happy, happy places with rainbows and unicorns <laughs> and everyone's just joyous. Yes. Oh, and you know what actually is another good one? Fortune telling. Okay. So we predict, hmm. we all get out our crystal ball and we predict what's going to happen. And usually it's a negative outcome that we're always predicting. And can I tell you, yesterday I went to a psychic, which I haven't told you about, but that's another thing that we can discuss. And you know what? She's the only one that I'm going to allow to get out a crystal ball. Okay. Because I, (laughs) I do not have those abilities. And so, no, I have no idea whatever I'm scared about doing or, um, you know, putting forward for a project or designing, I do not know how that's going to come out. And I do not know how other people are going to uh, view it or feel about my work. So need to stop doing that. That's that's a huge one that you need to stop fortune telling and getting out your crystal ball because more than likely you don't have that psychic ability like I don't as well and it's not going to turn out the way you're thinking. Mm. Or then you can actually end up manifesting it to be bad yes. because like there was one time that I tried to, emphasis on tried, to get into NIDA, like a costume design, uh, well, it's more or less the performing arts college, um, you know, if you want to be actor. Mm screenwriter or you know except right I wanted to do costume design so there were six interview places 
And to be honest, like everyone's like, oh, but you got an interview. And I'm like, oh my God, you just had to go online when it got published, book it and pay for it. And then you had to create um, a piece for for that interview. And then they tested your practical skills when you were there. And I was the, I stupidly booked the last interview out of all six people. Oh no, it was 12 interviews and they took six. 12 interviews, I was the 12th person they spoke to, the last on the list. And honestly, on the way there, I got there an hour early and tried to sit down. I was crying the whole time I was that nervous and I've never been overcome with that amount of fear of failure in my life. And I felt like the stakes were so high and and whatnot. And oh my God, I had to control from like crying and being a blubbering mess Mm -hmm. when I was in the actual whole thing. And then at the end, like, you know, and I think that's where when I was talking about beforehand, like the, the fine line of, you know, encouragement versus you know just it can be bad reinforcement but like everyone's like you're gonna get it it'll be fine it'll be fine and then I don't get it and and then because I negatively thought of the outcome I'm like well oh oh, there you go I let you puff me up and make me believe that I had a chance I had no chance I should have just listened to myself I was right you were wrong and that's happened over a couple of things where you know or like there was a job and everyone's like far out you made it to the interview you know you're going to make it to the next step it'll be fine it'll be fine and then I don't and then I get frustrated because it's like and then I start blaming other people going no you're the you are the reason why I I believed in myself I should never have believed Mm -hmm. in myself because then I wouldn't have my you know I wouldn't be falling so far from grace here whereas like you know if I kept my left expectations low then it's a whoopsie doodle but really it's never is it's always going to be still feeling like I've really fallen and it just sucks like that self-sabotage Georgie oh yeah mm, that it's disgusting that's yeah that's self-sabotage and that is that is actually one of the things that I think a lot of people who are high achievers try to do because mm. you you just kind of you don't want to even go there and you don't want to have those emotions. So you just mm. try to do the complete opposite instead of having that elation, like you're almost scared of having that success. And so you find ways to self-sabotage yourself. Mm. Or it's the fear of everyone else being disappointed or people going, oh, okay, she's not as capable as we thought. Yeah. And that is the, one of the biggest things. That is huge, you know. It's quite funny because you know how we spoke about the two episodes earlier about me posting on social media and I never post on social media. Mm. And, you know, one of them happened to be about us launching this podcast and then the other one happened to be about my um, award nomination. And then I started getting comments like people contacting me saying, oh, my gosh, you so have your life together. You're famous. You're, you're- oh my God. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, okay, first of all, definitely don't have my life together and you know second of all I'm not famous yet but you know like that just put another level of pressure onto myself where I was just like oh why did I even post any of this normally like I don't really tell a lot of people what I'm doing to be honest and that just yeah Mm -hmm. that was that I was just like oh okay then that whole self-sabotage thing almost started too. I was like, maybe I should take my post down because I don't even want anyone to be contacting me now saying, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You've so got your life together. I now feel like I need to get my life together. And I was just like, whoa, like this is, this is not. That's heavy. That is heavy. That is heavy. It's like you have no idea actually what goes on behind closed doors. And I just happened to mention that I, you know, Two quite exciting things have happened to me in the one week, which doesn't happen very often. But that doesn't mean, there you go, that just shows other people's perception of you. Or, Mm. yeah, that just puts that that layer of pressure onto you as well, like what you felt Mm. with, you know, people telling you that they they wanted you to have this success and so you were just like oh you know I I, I can't mm. deal with that 
Like that is a mm. lot of pressure. And like you said, a lot of, most of the time people don't actually realize that they're doing it. Oh yeah. And, and I'm sure I do it to other people too. Mm. I guess that's part of, that's just something that you, if you're aware of it, that you're doing it, you, then you start to realize that you're putting pressure on other people, which in turn then, you know, kind of comes back to you as well. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, what do you think a key takeaway for yourself is? Key takeaways would be is to, is the identifying. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and the knowledge is power. So even in regards to imposter syndrome, like, I don't know, where did you find this resource, Barbie, that you've sent to me? Because that was really like, you know, quick read. Yeah. That was something I got at uni. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Because if we could try and share that with people, that would be amazing. But look, okay. guys, hit us up in our DMs if you want to have a squeeze of that content. Just reading that resource for me helped me see a bigger picture, I guess, of, of seeing different ways to identify where where you start spiraling. And and I think that's the key thing is is being able to, you know, take in some content and that can really help you put a spotlight on when when things are starting to, you know, turn a bit sour and and then you can, you know, bounce back a bit easier rather than being, you know, being in the depths of despair. Yeah. Um, you know, catching it before you get there, I think is definitely a very key thing to to keep in mind and, and being able to move forward. How about yourself? I would say that, yeah, you definitely need to find your little network or call it your tribe if you want to, of people who when, yeah, when you identify this, that you can talk to, that mm. you know that will help you get out of the funk that you're in at the moment. Um, and also, when you're transitioning into, you know, a new career or whatever it might be in life, like when you will experience more than likely these feelings, to have those people beside you and willing to help you, whether it's even someone in the same industry that you know you can contact and like I did last week to say, oh, help, me, help me with this building code or whether it's just a friend that you can rely, rely on, then you really need to have a network of people. You can't go through these emotions by yourself because mm. then you're trying to self-validate these negative emotions as being fact and we all know that they're not mm-hmm. yeah so that's probably Definitely. the main ones for me and also yeah looking at the evidence that what you're telling yourself mentally is probably not even close to being true mm-hmm Hundred percent, yeah, definitely, and like I think definitely. Look for for those who who even feel bothered to is that one of the really key things um, out of some content that I had read was that you're identifying your automatic negative thoughts or your ANTs, and from there find find a more accurate version of that. So where's the evidence? Ask, keep asking yourself, well, where's the evidence for this to justify this thought? If you can find the evidence, go ahead, go for mm-hmm. it. Be in that space, that's fine. But if there's absolutely nothing to prove that that, that thought is validated, piss off, get rid of it, yeah. move on from that. And look, that's a very direct way to describe that. But it's more or less being able to identify, okay, this is not, I can still feel like crap for the next two days, but I have had myself identify and other people identify that this is a false thought. Yes. And most importantly, if you have these feelings constantly all over your life in all different aspects of it, you really need to get some professional help. So, And there's absolutely nothing wrong with no, that. No, nothing whatsoever. I think that's about it for us, Georgie. I actually wish I'd had that glass of wine with me right now, so I think I might oh, open I know. 
<laughs> I think next time we definitely need to wrap things up with a lovely sippy cup. But yeah, no. But everyone, I hope that you're enjoying um, this these episodes that we've so far had and episodes to come. Don't forget to subscribe and, and follow to stay in the loop of what is coming next. And of course, because I've learned, do follow our Instagram Creative Clinics podcast in order to keep up to date with what's coming out and who we're going to have on. But other than that, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Wait, Georgie. Oh. Oh. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. For now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers. Bye.